What's going on, you guys? Welcome back to another episode of Push the Tempo. It's your boy, Ari here. I'm with my co-host, Kyle. So in today's episode, we're going to be talking about Brooklyn's big three, their first game. And then we're going to also be talking about some players that have been overrated and underrated, in our opinions, at least. And with that being said, let's kind of just hop into our initial thoughts with the Brooklyn's first game as a big three. Yo, Kyle, you can start this one off. Yeah, man. Um, so going into this game, and just after this trade was made and we saw what Brooklyn gave up and what they got back, they obviously got back James Harden, who's an amazing player. But it, it became pretty apparent quickly that they lost some defensive players and some defensive pieces, particularly at center. Uh, DeAndre Jordan, I don't care what anybody says, you cannot have him as your starting center if you want to be a respectable defense. And that's the case. Um, so far, Brooklyn... They've, I, they're what, two? Is it two and one or one and two since they traded for Harden? They won their first game and then um, they won. The, go ahead. I believe it's, isn't it one and one with, um, with Harden playing? You know what I mean? No, I think they've played three. Oh, whatever. But so in this game, they played against the Cleveland Cavaliers, who are a, a pretty high ranked defense so far this year. And they ended up losing in second in double OT, 147 to 135. That's a, Pretty high-scoring game. And, man, Colin Sexton in this game went off. He scored 42 points. He shot 16 at 29, 5 of 11 from three. Free throw attempts were a little shaky, 5 for 9. But, hey, you take the win when you get it. And it's, just, it's a pretty big win for the Cavs. Without their second guard, their fifth overall pick in the lottery, Darius Garland, who's been out for like a week or two now. So it's just a big win for them. And, I mean, Brooklyn can obviously outscore a lot of teams, but when it comes down to playing some defense, there are some concerns there for them. What do you think? Yeah, no, I mean, one thing I think that's going to understate is how good Colin Sexton was that game. It's kind of hard to put where and how good the big three really is just off the sample size that they had. It's literally been one game. And regardless, I mean, Colin Sexton shot the ball at such a crazy rate. And, you know, I, it's hard to say just off, based off of one game. I kind of want to see more games. But, you know, one thing was very apparent, their lack of rim protection and their lack of defense. And it's just something that they're going to have to deal with. Like, this is a trade that they've made. And I guess they thought that maybe they had some type of, you know, a plan for it or, like, they had some, like, motive to do it. You know what I mean? Like, trading away Jared Allen is not something that you can do with a blink and a buy. They maybe thought that they could go all in on offense to kind of counter react their defense. So I don't know. It remains to be seen what they're going to do, but like, this is definitely a big issue for the team. I don't want to say that they got worse, but it kind of looks like their team became less, you know, better overall, like all around, you know what I mean? Yeah. I thought, I thought they were pretty well built before they traded for Harden. They had the two, uh, they had the two main offensive scoring options in Kyrie and Durant. And Durant's looked really good since coming back. I think he's probably in the top three in MVP so far this year. Um, Kyrie, before he went out uh, for whatever reason he had, uh, he was looking pretty great as well, having an even better year than last year when last year was his career year before he got hurt. And then they had some some nice bench pieces. They had Karis LeVert, who when he was playing off the bench would play well. And when he had to start, he was stepping up. He was averaging almost 29 points when he started in four games. Um, they had Dinwiddie, who unfortunately got hurt. <clears throat> Sorry. And Dinwiddie would be a pretty pretty big piece for them off this bench. And he would he would take a lot of the, the ball handling and scoring roles. But now they can, they can stagger with James Harden, Kyrie, and Durant. 
But no, you're definitely right. Their defense is a cause for concern. And that being said, it is only one game. But I mean, DeAndre Jordan is not a good player anymore. He's he's washed. Yeah. I think I think they're I don't think they're done making moves. They're definitely gonna go and try to get another big man for sure. Yeah, honestly, it makes sense. You know, one thing that I found interesting was like the minute allocation. Like, I mean, it did go into double overtime, so some of these name these numbers are kind of inflated. But you know, Jeff Green played forty five minutes, and I mean, they're using Jeff Green to be like one of their best wing defenders, and that's just like, I don't know, man. Jeff Green's old. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, but they don't really have much of a choice. Uh, they have they have to play Jeff Green. It's either that or playing like Reggie Perry or like DeAndre Jordan, who I've mentioned already twice that he's not good. So it's gonna be it remains to be seen what they do and how they approach, um, like their their rotations moving forward. But you know, it's 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 a cause for concern when their defense is meth like this. But man, Colin Sexton in that game, uh, he's a guy that I it's. I've always I've always had difficulty ranking him and like making a, a legitimate like picture of him because his ceiling is very it's very hard to rank in my opinion. But in this game he went for 42 in that second overtime. I think he scored like almost 15 points. Yeah, he was he was different in that overtime, man. Uh and he was just doing his thing. I think he scored 21 of his 42 points in the first and second OT. So good on him, man, and good on the Cavs for winning this game because this is a big win for them. I mean, they can – I don't. I probably don't see them being more than, like, a play-in tournament team, but this is just – this is a big win against a very good team. So good for them. Yeah, this is, this is not going to come off kind of weird, but, um, you know, I, I, it sounds so weird already in my head. But, like, don't sleep on the Cavs. I don't think that they're that bad of a team anymore. You know, you got to remember – Sexton has been in the league for two years now. This is his third year. And he's always been a very high volume scorer, an efficient scorer too. You know what I mean? And I mean, yeah, he was coming off an injury, but you know, Sexton is one of those players that, you know, he was a top pick in his draft. He's a great player. You know, he had that one college game when it was just like two other teammates. And I did, I don't even know if they won the game or not, but I mean, Sexton is just a beast. And I think this game was more of a it wasn't really Brooklyn's fault per se. It was more that the Cavs just played out of their minds that game. And like, I don't know if they're going to keep playing like that, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Cavs, you know, had some relevancy in the playoffs. But that being said, like, like one thing that really popped out to me about the Nets was like their shot, um, their shot attempts. So I'm just kind of looking at it right now. Kevin Durant shot 25 times, Irving shot 28 times and Harden only shot 14 times. So going into it, the game before against the Bucks, Harden and Durant, they basically took turns and they were just putting on an offensive show. Then everyone was kind of wondering how they would perform when Kyrie joins in. Is Kyrie going to be the odd man out that doesn't shoot as much? Or is Kyrie Irving going to have his own way? And I mean, it's been one game, so like again, small sample size. But, you know, it's really weird. He took the most shots out of everyone on that team. And, like, I don't know if th- what this means going forward. I, I want to hear your opinions on it, though. Yeah, this was this was a question that a lot of people had, that once you add a – like, you can have two guys and they can uh, take turns taking shots and get, like, a similar amount of shots and the rest of the team can also feed off them. But once you add a third guy, that third player – or one of those three players has to sacrifice a little bit. You've seen that with all the big three players. Um you saw that with the Boston Celtics back when Kevin Garnett 
Paul Pierce and Ray Allen got together. Ray Allen kind of sacrificed a little bit, and Kevin Garnett really he took a lot more responsibility on the defensive end, the one defensive player of the year. He was a great defender before that, but then he really was able to focus because he played with two great offensive players. Um, you saw that with the Miami Heat when they got together. Uh, Chris Bosh became that guy who took a backseat on offense, and he now I'm not gonna say he became a spot up shooter, but a lot of his attempts went from uh, attacking off the dribble to spacing out and shooting threes. Um, with the Cavs, you saw it. You saw Kevin Love become that kind of Chris Bosh type player. You know what I mean? Um, so it's gonna it's gonna be interesting to see how they allocate those shots moving forward. But I mean, I'm not really stressing about it too much. Um, there's really not a lot you can. They're they're very difficult to guard when they're all fully locked in and involved. So, and it's only been one game, so we got to see a bigger sample size to be 100 percent sure. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. I mean, you do make a good point, but in order for those big threes to be able to kind of have one guy take a backseat, you got to have some level of humbleness or at least a level of you know a sense of urgency to kind of like compete as a team. You know what I mean? So let's, let's take a look at this team. So Kevin Durant, he's going to get his shots. You know what I mean? Now it's just between Harden and Irving. And if I had to pick one, who would you want taking a backseat? And to be honest, that answer is going to be none of them because they're both really that good offensively. You know what I mean? So I don't know if this is what's going to happen going forward, but I like Harden as the ball handler playmaker. You know what I mean? He did have 12 assists that game and Irving only had three. That being said, Irving took like literally double the amount of attempts that Harden did. So, I mean, I feel like there should be a level of balance here. I don't want Harden to be like, if I was the head coach or if I was part of that team, whatever, I wouldn't want Harden just taking only 14 shots. That just doesn't make sense to have him taking the back. So, you know what I mean? No, you're definitely right. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see how they distribute those shots moving forward. And honestly, I don't mind any of them taking the most shots on any given night because all of them are that good on the offensive end in terms of creating a shot. But my biggest concern with them is I just hope Kevin Durant isn't that guy to take that backseat because, I mean, when he went to Golden State, he really – he said himself that uh, he just wanted to play beautiful basketball. And a lot of the times he took a backseat to Steph and Clay and let them really cook and do their thing, even though he was clearly the best individual player on that team. And same thing applies here. He's better than James Harden and he's better than Kyrie Irving. He's averaging the most points he has he has averaged since his MVP season in 2014, which is crazy to think because now he's 32 and he's coming off an 18th month absence when he ruptured his Achilles. So I'm just very happy we get to see that KD back. And I just hope he's not the guy to take the backseat because he's still the best player on the team. And in my opinion, he's the second best player in the league right behind LeBron this year. Yeah, no, I agree, man. Uh, like I said, I need to see more games, uh, more sample size of these two teams going at it. All right. So do you want to talk about any other games? Cause that night of basketball was great. Is there any games on your mind before we jump into over and underrated players? Yeah, man. Uh, did you want to talk about the Boston and Philly game? Nope. Nope. No, I did not. Um, Why not? Because easier. that game has no representation of how, what it would actually be like if there was, you know, like full Series. rosters, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, Hey, man, Embiid, I, Embiid has always been a Celtics killer, though. He he puts hey up man. huge numbers against the Celtics. You just don't have a guy to guard him, really. Um, 
Daniel Tice is solid, and Tristan Thompson is okay, I guess. I said uh, I said I don't want to talk about this, so can we um, – when I was going to say with you. Nah, you're right, man. No, nah, you're right. I'm just playing with you. Like, um, see, the, the, the biggest problem for Philly once it comes to playoff time is how Ben Simmons is utilized. Uh, this is the best, like, team fit around him since his their rookie year in 2017 when they played the Celtics in the playoffs. Uh, you can make an argument can be made. I'm sorry, 2018, right? Was the year that they lost to the Celtics in five? Man, they five. always lose to the Celtics. So yeah. I was put it out. It, was, it was it was one of those years, and you can make an argument that 2019 that that team was the best team overall. You had Jimmy Butler, you had Tobias Harris, you had Joel, and you had Simmons. But this year is going to be interesting to see how if they meet in the playoffs, because the Celtics obviously they were without Jason Tatum in this game. Um, one thing that I am a little interested in is why Kemba is taking only 15 shots compared to Marcus Smart taking 19. Like I get Marcus Smart sometimes uh, he gets pretty overconfident in his offensive rep, his offensive game. But I mean, I feel like Kemba just has to be more aggressive. You know what I mean? What do you think? All right. So the thing with that is, um, well, there was a big um, difference in the amount of minutes that they played. You got to remember Kemba had a 20 minute minute um, restriction so you can only take so many shots in 20 minutes and Marcus Smart played 35 minutes. So that's one of the reasons. Also, like the thing about the Celtics is they basically enabled Marcus Smart to keep shooting because they didn't really see anything. He just keeps shooting because they enabled him. You know what I mean? Like a guy like Marcus Smart can literally get hot out of nowhere. And I guess that's probably why Brad Stevens gave him the green light. But you also got to remember who outside of Brown and Kemba is going to shoot that many shots without Tatum being there. No, no, that's a good point. Exactly. He's there. He's like their fourth guy at that point. Exactly. So you can't really be too upset with that. I mean, he he literally right now is the third best option, which is kind of weird to say. Um, third best option offensively. Like I said, that's weird to say, but you know, I this game was just kind of you know out of pocket. It's not really what we're expecting out of the Celtics and Sixers when they if they do play end up playing each other in the playoffs, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, for sure. You definitely have a point there. Mm, with that, do you want to move on to a different game? Sure. Which one? Which one? All do right. you want to talk so, about? I mean, I didn't really watch this game, but, you know, there was this one highlight that I saw and, you know, my dude Cole Anthony with that shot. That shot was cold, bro. Yeah, man. Um, so the Orlando Magic ended up beating the Timberwolves 97 to 96. I mean, when's the next time that we're going to see any – any um any game be won and the winning team scores less than 100 points. I mean, I can't tell you when the last time we saw something like that was. You know what I mean? Um, Nikola Vucevic continues to have a, a great season. Uh, he's been going under the radar for a couple of years now. He's pretty great offensively. He Granted, he did uh, struggle a little bit shooting from the field, but, I mean, th- this team has just been rocked with injuries. Uh, they lost – Jonathan Isaac last year when he tore his ACL. Um, they lost Markel, who was playing well before he got hurt, which is really unfortunate because he was really starting to show signs of growth. Um, it's just really tough. I feel bad for the Magic this year that I was thinking that they would be another team that would be – because remember, last the last two years, I believe, they made the playoffs as like the eighth seed. Um, I figured that they'd be like the eighth to tenth seed again. But, man, if these injuries keep piling up, it might be difficult for them to like meet the not just make the playoffs but like the play in tournament. What do you think? Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Um, 
me and you both didn't have the magic on our, you know, our list to make the playoffs for the East. But, you know, they, they came out to a hot start to start the season. And like you said, these injuries keep piling up. I definitely don't think that they're a bad team at all. I mean, Evan Fournier, don't Google his last name, by the way, guys. Um, he just came back from injury. Um, we all know what happened. Now, now, now I'm interested. I want to see what his last no, name is. No, please do not. <laughs> don't Google his last name. <laughs> As for all you guys out there that's listening, please don't Google his last name. Um, yeah, right now. <laughs> bro, I'm sorry, man. But, yeah, I mean, the magic, man. I don't know, man. We'll have to see. That sucks, man. I, they have a promising young team, and that's what I really like about their team. I really like Jonathan Isaac. Like, their team can literally play defense. You know what I mean? And on top of that, they also got Mobamba, who was supposed to be really good, but, you know, he doesn't get any minutes. I don't. I want to see how he would turn out, to be honest. What do you think about him? Man, he's a, he was like the fifth pick in his draft, and he was projected to be this – lengthy not not just lengthy but very versatile defender who's very tall block shots hit threes but he's just a guy who's been off to a slow start in his career and granted I don't watch a lot of Orlando Magic games so I can't give like a I can't give like an exact reason for why he's just hasn't been making much of an impact but I know he struggled with injuries his first year I think he uh I think he um what's it called yeah he's just been he's just been having like an inconsistent play and I hope he turns it around because he was like the fifth overall pick when you make an investment like that in a guy you not only need him to pan out but like you expect him to do so you know what I mean um I hope I hope he can turn it around because he has the tools to be like a good player uh he's seven feet tall he has a crazy wingspan six pick sorry my bad and he's still super young you know so it remains to be seen but I hope he can turn it around as well if I remember, he had some combine records, and I think one of them was actually how fast he ran or something like that. I'm not 100% sure on that. I got to have to double-check that. But, yeah, I mean, the Magic definitely have a lengthy team, man. I wish I could, you know, see them all healthy at one time and period. Um, with that being said, do you want to hop into over and underrated players, in our opinions? Sure. Do you want to Do you want to go first? Which one do you yeah. want to start with? All right. Let's start with um, – let's go with underrated. We can save the heat for the end. All right, so this player is probably the most underrated player in this season, in my opinion, and that's Mikael Bridges. And he's quietly been the second leading scorer of the Suns. And a lot of people would expect, oh, maybe be Chris Paul or DeAndre Ayton, but it's actually Mikael Bridges. And he's doing it on pretty efficient shooting splits, 51% from the field and 44.4% from three. So that's really good. On top of that, he gives you quality defense and he makes the right plays. And he's just, he's becoming more than a 3D player. You know what I mean? So it's definitely a guy that I think has been very underrated to start the season. You're definitely right. And he was a guy I was actually thinking about putting on my most underrated players in the league list. Uh, he just missed the cut, but he's a guy who's definitely been awesome this year. Uh, my pick, one of, one of my players that this year who I think have been very underrated is Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, he was a second round pick a couple of years back by the Bucks, and he ended up winning rookie of the year. Um, and a lot of, a lot of the attention for the Pacers has gone to DeMontis Sabonis, rightfully so he's been awesome as well. And a lot of it has also gone to Miles Turner, who for some reason, a lot of people don't have him on their DPOY ballots, which I think he should be up there in the race because he's leading the league in blocks. Um, this year, their new coach, uh, Nate, I think, Nate, is it Nate Bjorkren? I believe I'm pronouncing yeah, that correctly. Yeah, Nate Bjorkin. Yeah, Bjorkin. he's uh, he's having them play like a 
a more modern offense. They're shooting more threes. They're playing faster. And Brogdon is a guy who's really, uh, he's really benefited from that. He's averaging 22 and a half points, almost four rebounds and almost seven and a half assists. Uh, he's shooting the ball efficiently. He's shooting 42% from three, which is crazy. Cause you got to remember a couple years back, he was a 50, 40, 90 guy on the bucks. So, and with the, them trading Oladipo and Karis LeVert being out indefinitely, which by the way, I hope uh, Karis LeVert can get, can get back to the court soon and be fully healed. He's a good player. Um, I think Brogdon will just continue to put up these awesome numbers. And he's a guy, he's a guy who I think, I think in my opinion, he's the most underrated player in the league. What do you think? Yeah, no, that's definitely fair. Yo, I, I try to go for a lot more low-key players, so that's a fair point. He's definitely a guy that I would have on my list as well, but just because I decided to pick low-key type of players, so that's kind of why I missed out on him. But definitely, he's definitely an all-star level player, and I bet right now the Bucks are looking at him, and they really regret not re-signing him because he's just been an amazing player. Yeah, because they signed Eric Bledsoe to that huge contract, and he shit the bed two years in a row, and now he's – Brutal, man. You know what I mean? Yeah, one thing I really like about Brogdon is he's super reliable, man. And that left that left hand of his, reliable, man. He can finish anywhere with that left hand. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, let me give you one of my other underrated players. All right. So, like I said, a lot of players on my list are, I guess, they're going really under the radar. They're kind of low-key players. They're not, like, all-star level players, but they're definitely players that are very – very good but under the radar so this player is Lou Dort and he's been really well he's been playing really well he is actually the second leading scorer of the OKC Thunder and he's I mean he's only averaging 13 and a half points but he's doing it on good efficiency similar to Mikhail Bridges 48% from the field and 44% from three on top of that he's averaging 1.2 steals per game and he actually would be guarding every single player, like any any team that he plays against, he guards their best player. And, you know, I want to say I fell in love with his style of play last season when he was uh, guarding James Harden. And he was like, honestly, like no one can really lock up Harden, but he was doing a phenomenal job at that. So he's definitely a player that I think is underrated. Not that many people know of him or of his defensive and even now offensive capabilities. What do you think about him? No, you're definitely right. I think a couple a couple episodes ago we talked about Lou Dort, and we mentioned how he's quick-footed enough to keep up with these guards, and he, these guards can't really like big guys like James Harden's a he's a big and he's a physical guard, but you can't really push a guy like Lou Dort around because he has like size to him. He's built like I don't know, like he's basically built like a fire hydrant on quick feet. You know what I mean? And the biggest question for him coming out of last year, because you got to remember before that game seven explosion that he had, where I think he scored the most points on either team, uh, he was kind of struggling to shoot the three. And now if he can get that three ball down consistently, he can be a great, not not just role player, but possibly like fringe all-star, all-star level player. You obviously got to add more to his game, but it's a good step to see that he's improving his three-point shot for sure. Yeah, he's a very good player. And the Thunder are lucky that they got – I shouldn't say lucky, but they're very fortunate to have him. Yeah, let me just add one quick thing. He was born in 1999, which makes him – I can't do math correctly – which makes him either 21 or 22 years old. So he's still very young. And like you said, I mean, if he adds more offense and more weapons to his game, he can definitely become a fringe all-star level player. 
And, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it, man. He reminds me of Marcus Smart, just the way that he's built and the way he defends the ball. Um, I mean, right now he's shooting the ball a lot better than Smart. So he probably has one up on him. But, you know, definitely a young player that I'm looking forward to see for the rest of his career. All right. So hand me one of your other underrated players. All right, man. Um, so and I know, and this guy is going to make me sound like I'm coming off as like a homer and rooting for my team. But Nicholas Batum, man. Uh, he when the Clippers signed him for the veteran minimum this offseason, I thought, all right, he's going to play like 16 minutes, maybe like 10 to 15 minutes off the bench, uh, maybe get like four points and like two rebounds and like two or three assists a game. He's not going to really, really have a major role. But dude, this year so far, he has been he's been contributing like legitimate minutes and legitimately having a big impact on the Clippers. Um, it's gotten to the point where Marcus Morris Sr., who the Clippers paid $64 million this offseason, uh, he's coming off the bench, and Nicholas Batum is continuing to start. Uh, he's playing 28 minutes a game. He's shooting his second-best uh, field goal percentage of his career. Uh, he's shooting his best three-point percentage of his career. Granted, it's only 15-game sample size. But this is a guy that when we signed him, I was like, this guy's this guy's cooked. He's not going to really offer much, but his playmaking is really great. He plays great defense when he shoots a corner three. I think it's always going in. Um, yeah, man, no, he's been he's been big for the Clippers, and I hope he continues his level of production because if he does, it looks like it might be the best like low key signing of the offseason. What do you think? No, that's fair. I remember when that happened, I was like texting in our group chat. I was like, bro, what are you guys doing? You guys seriously signed Batum. Like this dude hasn't played in like years because he's been so garbage. But, you know, he went back to his roots. He's, you know, defending the ball, making the right decisions. And honestly, not a bad pickup in retrospect. So I'll give you guys that one. He's definitely a good or a very low-key underrated player this season. You want to you wanna throw another one of your underrated yeah. at me? Yeah, sure. So I went with Kyle Anderson just because, you know, he's a guy that no one really pays attention to. And he's got an infamous nickname of slow-mo. And, you know, he just built really weird and everything. I don't even know, man. But he's pretty efficient when he has the ball in his hands. He makes good plays. He makes good passes. Uh, he shoots at an okay rate. Um, he can shoot the three ball right now. He's only shooting about 33%. But, I mean, he's just a player that no one really pays attention to, and he can make good plays at the end, you know what I mean? Um, other than assisting and rebounding and shooting, he's a good team player to have. He's definitely a, just a role player that, you know, teams would be fortunate to have coming off the bench. I'm not going to say he's cl anywhere close to an all-star level, but I definitely think he's a good player, um, especially he's been stepping up in big moments for the Memphis Grizzlies as, you know, John Morant was hurt and, you know, Jaron Jackson hasn't played yet. So definitely a guy that I can see being a decent low key underrated player. You know what I mean? No, you're definitely right. When Morant went out, I thought that this possibly could have tanked the, the Grizzlies playoff hopes because they're already missing out on Jaron Jackson, who's their probably their second or third best player. Jonas Valanciunas is still out and he's a big, he's a big piece for them. And then they lost Ja, who's like their prop, who's probably their best player and, he's been he's been great pretty much and since he's come back he played very well in that game versus the Suns and unfortunately his game just got postponed I believe it was yesterday or today um but no you're definitely right uh Kyle Anderson's having a very under underrated season he makes he just makes smart plays uh he never does more than he really needs to he doesn't really play extra 
So you're definitely right. He's playing pretty solid basketball. And the Grizzlies, hey, who knows? Maybe they could be like a legitimate playoff team, but it's going to be remain to be seen. For sure, for sure. All right, do you got any more for underrated or should we hop over to overrated? I got, I got one more, and you're definitely going to like this one. Uh, my last guy for underrated is Chris Boucher. Dude, oh, man. He has I thought been... you were going to say Marcus Smart, bro. Yeah, whatever. Uh, Chris, <laughs> man, Chris Boucher has been awesome this year for the Raptors. Um, they don't – he kind of has been playing for them. I don't want to say out of necessity, but kind of has been out of necessity because they just waved Alex Glenn, who was sucking. And Aaron Baines has been awful. Like, he's been so bad this year. He can barely rebound. He can barely hit a shot. Uh, I know Raptors Twitter really hates that guy. And his Twitter fan club, Aaron Baines fan club account, got into, like, an argument with, like, Raptors fans. Um, but, man, Chris Boucher has been stepping up and stepping up big time. He's averaging 15.5 points, um, 6.5 rebounds, almost an assist, and 2.4 blocks, all doing that while shooting 48% from three on almost four attempts a game. So shout out to Chris Boucher. Uh, I think it's going to be a tight race for most improved, but he's definitely going to be in that conversation with guys like Colin Sexton, with guys like Christian Wood. So he's been playing really well, and it looks like this going to continue for him. And it's been it's kind of interesting because he's a really slight guy, and he's continuing to like play well against these centers. So yeah, man, he's it, props to him, man. He's been he's been doing his thing. That's fair. You know, I had him on my list, but there's a reason why I didn't mention him. And I'll kind of get into that a little bit later. Um, I was I have some honorable mentions, so might as well just read off that list. Uh, and these are guys that already have a reputation. So Vucevic, Sabonis, and you could say even Paul George has been having a pretty good season. So those that was like my honorable mentions list. And of course I don't I don't want to start I don't want to start on that, man. <laughs> just, I wouldn't stop. I got you. And one last one, I had Colin Sexton on my list, but then he had an explosion, so I decided to just take him off um, just because, you know, a lot of people are going to see how good he is now. You know what I mean? All right, so let's hop into the overrated players. So number one on my hit list is Pascal Siakam. And this is actually the reason why I didn't add Chris Boucher to that list was because I'm going to kind of compare Siakam to Boucher. So Chris Boucher is playing 23 minutes per game. He's averaging three less points than Siakam, who's playing 35 minutes per game. So there's a 12-minute difference. Siakam is shooting 44% from the field. Boucher is shooting 59%. Siakam is shooting 25% from three. Boucher is shooting 48%. Siakam is averaging seven and a half rebounds. Boucher is six and a half rebounds. And I can just keep going on and on, but I mean, let's be honest. Boucher is literally playing he's outplaying Siakam to a certain extent. And honestly, man, Siakam is supposed to be their number one option. And I think that's where he becomes a little bit overrated is because he's not a number one option. I think his best was when he was a number two or number three option on that team. And, you know, I think he's overrated for the fact that he can't produce as a number one option. And on top of that, I mean, he got an all NBA team, you know what I mean? And I don't know if he's an all-NBA level player. I definitely think he is an all-star level player or a fringe all-star level player. But all-NBA, I think that's taking a little bit too far. What do you think about this one? Yeah, I mean, you have a point. So that first, that 2019 season when they won the championship, and I believe he scored the most points of like any first-time player in a playoff, in a final series with that. I think he scored like 32 or 33 points in game one of the finals. Um, but that's kind of that's what he is. He's 
a second a second option type of player. And until he adds more to his game, um, it doesn't look like he's going to be a third option. Uh, sorry, not third option, a first option. You know what I mean? Um, he's a he's a I, I think he's overhated. Um, I think he's the Paul George of the Eastern Conference that whenever he plays well, there's crickets. And whenever he doesn't play well uh, and he struggles, like people just come out of the woodworks and just slander him. Like, for example, I believe it was the game versus the Blazers where they ended up losing at the buzzer. Uh, Siaka missed the game winner, but he was awesome in that game. I think he scored like 25 points. He had like, I think that might have been a triple-double game for him, but he was awesome. And people were still bagging on him because he missed that last shot, which, I mean, sure, he missed, but that doesn't take away from everything he did before that. You know what I mean? So uh, I think I think he's a little overhated. I wouldn't say he's overrated. I mean, I think a lot of people generally think he's a, like a second option all-star, but nothing like a superstar type of player. But no, I, I got to disagree with you on that one. Mm, okay. I can see your point where you say that, you know, you know, he had a string of good games and no one really said anything. I do agree. He, he's been playing better than he has to start the season. But I mean, the reason why I'm saying he's overrated is because bro, all NBA team, Pascal Siakam, bro, I definitely think that the NBA is overrating this guy. I mean, I don't think he's bad to any extent. It's just that, like, all NBA, bro, you know what I mean? Yeah, but you got to remember that all NBA goes to, like, the best season. It doesn't go to the best player. Like, for example, Paul George a couple years ago made all NBA first team and LeBron made all NBA third team. Obviously, Paul George isn't better than LeBron. Uh, that's That's pretty apparent. But Paul George had a better season than LeBron that year. Um, so like when, when, when he makes second team, right? Second team, all NBA. Yeah. Second team. And I think Kawhi made like third. So, I mean, the case could have been made that obviously Kawhi's a better player than Pascal Siakam, obviously, but he just had a better season than Kawhi. So that, that's how I, that's how I look at it. But no, I mean, you do have a point, but I, I don't think he's overrated. I think he's, I think he's overhated at this point, really. Mm, okay. Can we, can we say that he's overrated by the NBA? Sure, I guess, but mm-hmm. overhated by their fan base because, like, man, that's that's true. Yo, I definitely don't hate him or anything. He gets like that. a lot I just, of shit. Yeah, no, I just I just don't think he's a all star level player or sorry, a superstar level player. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I, I I agree with you on that. So, do you wanna do you wanna move on then? Can I get yeah, one yeah. of my underrated yeah, player, overrated players? Yeah. So my it. first my first overrated player is Jamal Murray, dude. I. A lot of people probably thought that Jamal Murray's bubble was a sign of things to come. And that that is where he's taken the step. And from now, he's going to be this amazing scorer who can play well off Jokic and hit threes and such. That hasn't been the case. Sure, he's posting career numbers. He's averaging 19.2 points per game. He's averaging four assists, and he's averaging three and a half rebounds. And those are, those are career numbers for him because guess what? He's never averaged more than... 18 and a half points per game in his entire career. And he's been in the league so far for five seasons. So guaranteed he's not at his peak yet. And he's probably going to take like three or four more years to get to that. But a lot of people were thinking that uh, he was going to be this great all-star level player after his bubble performance. And that has just not been the case. He's a guy who very much so struggles with consistency. Uh, he would have a game where he scores 30 and then the next two or three games, he'll have like a 12 point game. He'll have like a, 16 point game and last night he was pretty bad he only scored five points versus the 
uh, versus the Oklahoma City Thunder, and Lou Dort really was giving him problems. So he's he's a guy who I think right now, as it stands, is a little overrated, but he can definitely turn it around because he's still very young. So that that's just my opinion. What do you think? Yeah, no, definitely 100% inconsistent level player, man. You know, this season might seem like a disappointment for him, but, you know, in terms of numbers, this is probably his best season. He's averaged more points this season than any other season. And that's kind of crazy to say. I guess our expectations for him coming into the season were really high, especially coming off that bubble game. But like you said, very inconsistent. I remember when he first entered the league as a rookie, I remember, like, I'd never heard of this guy because that's when I started getting into basketball. And one of my friends was telling me, yo, this guy's nice. So I remember looking at his first four games. And it was the first game was zero points. The second game was one point. The second game was zero points. And another one after that was one point. He was literally averaging half a point. And then all of a sudden, he turned it up. So definitely an inconsistent player. I mean, like you said, like, one night he can go off for 30-plus points. The next night he can score five, just like how he did against OKC. So... Definitely a player that has a lot of potential, a young player, but coming off that season where he went off in the bubble, he's definitely overrated because of that. I think in the game versus Utah where he scored 30 and he had a good game, they lost by four. Um, I think he scored like 24 in the first half, which, or 21 or something like that. And then he only took like four or like six shots in the second half. Like he's the second option on that team behind Jokic and Jokic is doing it. Jokic is like, if the if the Nuggets were like a top like two or three seed right now, I think he'd be leading in the MVP race. I'd put him like top four right now. But Jokic has been amazing and phenomenal this year. It looks like he's probably gonna lead the league in assists. And they just need Jamal Murray to find that that level of consistency. Like I'm pretty sure all Denver fans would rather have like a consistent twenty one or twenty two from him rather than a game where he scores thirty and the next game he scores like fifteen. You know what I mean? Yeah, but, you know, a lot of it can be attributed to Jokic, and I'm not saying that Jokic is the root of any problem or anything like that, but, you know, it's very rarely that you see a team where a center plays a point guard position. Murray is more of a shooting guard, but, you know, he's under the role of a point guard. So, I mean, growing up, this having a center as a point guard is something that you never play along with, you know? And as these two guys grow together and play together, I mean, their chemistry is not bad at all, but maybe we'll see a little bit more of a mesh and more consistency between them. But, you know, it's something that I guess I can't really blame him for being inconsistent because, you know, it depends on the matchup. Each matchup is going to be very different for how he acts and how he plays. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you're definitely right. But if you got to be, if you're going to be a great player, you just have to be consistent and he just has not been so far. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Do you want to do you want to give your next guy for All right, man. overrated? Straight up, man. This is probably the most overrated player in the NBA. This is a guy that averages 12 points and somehow he's an all-star. I know and... where you're going with this. <laughs> man, Rudy Goldberg, bro. This oh, wait, dude... never mind. I don't know where you're going with this. <laughs> Who do you think I was going to say? Uh, we'll, we'll save it. He's actually on my list, but you can go ahead. For sure. For sure. Rudy Gobert, man. I Man, I have a lot to say about this guy. He's not a bad defensive player, but he's severely overrated by the NBA, giving him two back-to-back defensive player of the years and an all-star selection. He's definitely a good defensive player, but I think he has a lot of weaknesses. Like He has problems and trouble keeping up with faster players, especially in the perimeter. And, you know, somehow he still gets defensive player of the year. Um on top of that, he's very below average on the offensive end. 
I believe he's shooting, and I'm just going to take a look while I talk. Um, He can't shoot threes at all. He can't do any post moves or post spins. It's mostly just putbacks or cutting layups or dunks by him. So he's shooting 46% from the free throw line. So he can't shoot free throws either. So definitely a very, very below average offensive player. Um, You got to remember that their coach, Quinn Snyder, is definitely a good coach. And that's why I can attribute a lot of winning to that team. But, you know, that for a guy that just sits in the paint and, you know, I mean, yeah, he does have a defensive presence. I definitely think he's an overrated player. Uh, I mean, you make some valid points that he's slightly limited on offense. And that's not fair. slightly, not slightly. He's basically DeAndre Jordan on offense. So I think, I think he's a little, I think he's, I think he's kind of similar. He's overrated really. Um, He's a, his defensive impact really cannot be overstated. He's a great defender um, and he can really, really impact the game on that. And you gotta, you gotta take into account that with, with, with him, the Utah Jazz are a playoff team. And without him, I can, I can, I'm pretty confident in saying that they wouldn't be in the playoffs. Um, he's not, he's not really an offensive player, as you said, and he can't really hit free throws, but he does make a huge impact on that end. Granted, sometimes when he does get switched on the perimeter, he can struggle a little bit, but even that, in my opinion, is slightly overblown. Um, I, I really don't have a lot to say about Gobert. I think he's, I think he's very good. Sure, the contract is a little bit of an overpayment, but they didn't really have much of a choice. You got to pay your player in order to keep him, or else he'd go to another team. So, I, yeah, I think, no. I think he's, I think he's overpaid. Sure, but I don't think he's overrated. I think he's probably the fourth or fifth best center in the league right now, which is where I think most people would have him. I think he's right there. Uh, in my opinion, he's an all-star role player, and that's probably as far as I can go. Um, yeah, that's that's what I'm gonna give him an all-star role player. That's that's fair. All right. Uh, so my next is it okay if we move on to the next overrated? Yeah, yeah, go for it. So my next my next guy who I think is overrated is Lonzo Ball. Lonzo is not good. Like he's not good. Um, people people have been thrown and I'll say this because a lot of people have been throwing around that the Clippers should go get Lonzo Ball from the Pelicans, and. I am so opposed to that for a multitude of reasons. First one is if Lonzo isn't playing in an up and down, he's really irrelevant on offense because he thrives in that up and down. And when, once he gets in the half court, he struggles because he's inefficient. Uh, the three-point shot has been hit or miss so far this year. It's been very miss. He's shooting 28% from three on seven attempts. And that's seven of his almost 12 field goal attempts. So he's basically a three and D guard who can't shoot threes. Uh, he doesn't get to the free throw line uh, in his career. He's only getting to the free throw line 1.2 times a game. And he only, and so far this year, it's 1.2 and he shoots for his career, less than 50% from the free throw line. So he's hitting half a free throw a game for the most part. Uh, this year he's getting to the line. He's shooting 58% slight improvement, still bad. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. He's, he's a guy that this year that, Stan Van Gundy has taken the ball out of his hands and put it in Brandon Ingram's hands, which makes sense because Brandon Ingram's a great player and he's becoming like, he's growing so much offensively and that's kind of leaving Lonzo ball behind on the wayside. And they got some young guards to kill Alexander Walker went off versus the Clippers. Uh, 
He's showing some signs of growth. They have Kira Lewis, who's an interesting prospect. So I wouldn't be surprised if Lonzo was traded. And you know what the crazy part to me is? Lonzo was drafted second overall, which, I mean, I think it's fair to say that he's a bust. He hasn't lived up to the potential. That being said, that Markel Fultz was hurt and dealt with all these issues and still somehow was better than Lonzo this year. That That's crazy to me that Lonzo still couldn't even be better than Markel after everything Markel has been through. I, I've always been a De'Aaron Fox over Lonzo guy. And I mean, this just furthers my point, really. What do you think? Yeah, Alonzo Ball is definitely an interesting case. You know, I like him as a player, but I definitely think he has his struggles. And I mean, a lot of it, I think personally, that it has to do with his confidence. You know, as soon as he gets going, as soon as he gets into a shooting stroke and, you know, he's having a good string of games, something happens. You know what I mean? Whether it's an injury issue or it's just like he has a really bad game that just kind of, you know, impacts his entire season and you know a whole string of games he's definitely a weird player in the sense that like you know he the the amount of percentages and efficiency he shoots at he's a smart player at the same time so if he could ever fix his shooting which has just been his issue ever since he was drafted then potentially he could become i guess you can say i'm not a bust anymore but you know definitely I guess you can say overrated, but I don't, I don't think that he's a bad player at all. I mean, he has the smarts and the IQ to, you know, stay in the league. He also has a size and, you know, quickness and defensive capabilities to stay in the league. It's just a matter of, you know, becoming a better shooter. And, you know, I don't want him to see him fall down to a level where it's just because of his shooting, he can't stay in the league or because of his shooting, he gets traded, you know what I mean? Or because of his shooting, you know, a team gives up on him. I just want to see a little bit more consistency in his jumper. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, you have a point. Do you do you want to move on then to your last overrated player? Mm-hmm. All right, man. This is a guy that personally, he destroyed my team in the playoffs. He is a great player. I don't. I know who you're going like to say. Him. Yeah, I don't not like him or anything like that. But just to the general fan base, he's definitely an overrated player. And that's Tyler Hero. So, oh, in my, okay. <laughs> what do you think I was gonna say? I thought you were gonna say Giannis, but okay. Man, Giannis overrated, but like, no, let's say that for <laughs> let's say that for another day, man. All right, man, Tyler Hero. So this season he's averaging seventeen and something like that. I have to take a look. I didn't do my notes. Um, so let me take a look. So he's averaging seventeen point six points a game, which is really good for a second year player. But they're slightly inflated because you got to remember, Dragic didn't play a lot of games, and Jimmy Butler like probably played like four or five games only. So his numbers are definitely inflated. I definitely think that he's a great player. Um, he's going to be a beast in the future, maybe even an All Star selection. But you know, to the level that he's playing right now, I don't think he's quite there yet, and. A lot of people are like kind of labeling him to be an all-star already, but he's not there yet. He has a lot of, I guess, inconsistencies right now. He's only shooting 30% from three. And on top of that, you know, his assist to turnover ratio isn't the best. All he right now, all he really is, is just a scoring guard. And, you know, I think he can be better than that. But a lot of people are saying that he's, you know, really good, but you know, like I said, definitely one day, but for now, he's definitely just over to the general fan base. I think, I think you have a point. Um, I think he can be a good player in the future. I think he's, he's another guy who he's kind of in the, he's kind of the, 
like the bubble kind of made him look more than he was similar to Jamal Murray, at least at this point. Uh, I don't think he's scoring 37 points in a playoff game if they're playing in the Eastern Conference Finals and either Miami or Boston. Um, I don't think he's averaging, I think it's like 20 points per game in that series or something like that. You know what I mean? Um, I think the bubble helps some people like Tyler Hero and uh, and Tyler Hero and uh, Jamal Murray. And I think it took away from some guys like Paul George and um, and Pascal Siakam. So he's another guy who, in my opinion, is is at that he's at that point. I think he's going to be great in the future. But right now, I, th- I definitely understand where you're coming from, seeing slightly overrated for sure. All right, all right. At least we can come to somewhat of a consensus here. All right. Do you have any more for overrated? I got one more, and this guy is an all-star player, actually. And before I before I say this, I want to preface that this is based off this season. Uh, ben Simmons, man. Um, ben Simmons. If the all-star selections were made right now, and the season were halted, I don't think he'd be an all-star. He has not been good. Sure, and. And I'll say this, that Ben Simmons is a phenomenal defender. Uh, he's one of the best one-on-one defenders in the league now. Uh, he uses his size very well to, and his speed and just his athleticism to keep up with guards, and he can defend bigs as well. That being said, he has been awful on offense this year, and he has really regressed. Um, I have some friends who are Sixers fans, and I talk to them regularly. And I watch some Sixers games too because I'm interested to see how Doc Rivers – does with this team um there are so many times that and during a game like three or four times a game where Ben Simmons drives to the rim and he has the advantage because there's a smaller guy guarding him or a guy who's just not quick enough and he passes the ball out rather than attack the rim and get to the free throw line because he can't he can't hit free throws he's shooting 64 percent from the line this year and he's the past two years He's slightly down from the free throw line compared to his second year in the league. Very slightly, however, I'll I'll say that. But he's just a guy who's just regressed offensively. And a lot of Sixers fans will continue to say that a shot will come. But when will it come? You know, Because he's starting to play passive offensively. I think he's starting to turn into a tall Rajon Rondo. Um, Rondo had a couple years where he was looking like a great young point guard. Uh, he was playing phenomenal defense. He's a great playmaker. Then he kind of plateaued because he just the jump shot became very inconsistent. And in Rondo's case, at least he was shooting them. Like with Ben Simmons, like I don't think it, I don't think it can be like applauded when he shoots a three pointer, or it can't be taken by surprise when he shoots one. And uh, I can go on like a whole tangent about why I I thought that the Sixers should have traded for uh, James Harden and traded Ben Simmons for him, but. I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to do that, but Ben Simmons, in my opinion, is just a slightly overrated, but he can turn it around because he's awesome defensively, but he's regressing a little bit offensively, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. When I watched that game last night, where it was the Celtics versus the Sixers, he felt like, it almost felt like he wasn't really there. Yet. He'd bring up the ball, um, he'd pass it. I've, here and there, he'd get like a nice little assist. But other than that, it felt like he was non-existent. The biggest problem was Embiid. And I guess, I mean, we haven't really seen the Sixers full team in a, in a little while, but maybe his best thing is just to be the point guard that brings up the ball and then defend one of the better players on the other team. Maybe that's really all it is. But I guess, yeah, a lot of people are really banking on his jumper, no pun intended. But like, 
you know, that jumper has to come or else, you know, he's just going to be in the same position for his entire career. You know what I mean? And eventually, you know, they're going to be able to figure him out. See, man, uh, I was having this discussion with one of my friends and what uh, we were having this discussion in the group chat. You need, you need Ben Simmons to be good offensively. Like you need him to be a passable offensive option in the playoffs. And my friend's argument was that you don't need him to be good offensively. You just need him to play make and you need him to pass uh, and you need him to defend it at a high level, which he can do. He's a great defensive player, but if he's basically being turned into Ben Wallace and standing in the dunker spot when he doesn't have the ball in offense, one that affects Joel Embiid who can hit jumpers and can hit threes, uh, but he's best at the rim and on the block that, that affects not only Ben Simmons, but it affects everyone around him. And his, my friend's argument was that, no, they have Tobias Harris. Tobias Harris can do that. Tobias, there's a reason that the Clippers didn't pay Tobias Harris and they traded him to the 76ers because they didn't believe he could be that shot creator at the end of games at in these high leverage situations in the playoffs. Like Tyrese Maxey's a good player and he looks like he's going to be something in the future, but he's not that right now. Um, who else do they have really at that point? You know what I mean? Um, so that's, that's just my opinion. I think, I think they should have made that move for Harden, uh, traded Simmons and probably traded whatever you can to get Harden. Cause now you not only have James Harden on your team, but you prevented him from going to another team and creating a three headed monster in Brooklyn. But that's just my opinion, man. I think, I think Simmons so far has just been, he's just been a little, uh, he's been off and he needs to figure it out. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Um, you made a point about how he does, he needs to be more than just a playmaker and a defender. And I kind of agree with that. There's a reason why they get balanced in the playoffs every single year. It's And I don't want to just pinpoint it on one player or one coach or whatever it is. But, you know, in order for them, the Sixers, to make that jump, Simmons has to become what everyone is expecting of him. You know what I mean? Like, he has to become a dual threat. He can't just be, you know a dunker or somebody that just makes layups or passes the ball. He has to be able to add one more element to his game. And that will open up so much different avenues to that team, to that Sixers team, you know, like it's not hard guarding him. You know what I mean? Like you play back on him, but let's say that he can shoot. Now you have to play up on him. And now he's got his shooters running loose and now he's got cutters. He's got jump shooters, 50 to 40, 90 guys like Tobias Harris. And then he's got his biggest weapon Embiid. you know what I mean? So he definitely has to get better at some of his weaknesses in order to leverage his strengths even further. You know what I mean? See, man, like, and we'll, we'll probably close sooner or later because we've been running a little bit long. But, like, another another, I thought they should have traded him because he's obviously become a great defensive player and he's shown massive improvement on that end. He has not really improved a lot defensively. I mean, sorry, offensively. Um, free throw shooting, he still doesn't get to the line like a – as much I shouldn't say as much but he hasn't really increased his free throw attempts still can't hit free throws at a high level and he's regressing offensively so there's going to be a point where he's going to plateau as a player and he's going to start losing value now that James Harden's out of the picture I think if you're Philadelphia you got to make a call for a guy like a Bradley Beal because Bradley Beal is a great player and he can offer the Sixers team more than Ben Simmons can sure you lose a little bit of defense but I mean to take that next step and you have another awesome player in Joel Embiid who's in the top in the MVP race right now you you have to capitalize on this player's amazing play 
And right now, it doesn't look like Simmons is going to be able to really contribute to that. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. All right, you want to wrap it up? Um, I guess that's going to be end of this episode. Uh, if you'd like, check us out on Instagram, on YouTube at ECBcast. Um, and, you know, if you enjoy the podcast, enjoy our contact, leave us a review. Let us know what we can do, what we can get better at. If you have any, ever have any questions that you want to get featured, just hit us up and we can take care of that as well. So, yeah, um, that's been it for this episode. I hope you guys have a great day. Peace out.